Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hey, this is the Partially Examined Life preview of episode 272, part two, finishing up Fichte's Vocation of Man. What you're about to hear is not the very beginning of part two, because we talk a little more about the epistemology, but the transition to book three of the text about his ethics. And we start off coming out of the epistemology discussion, trying to figure out whether his ethics are relative. They are not. So here you go. It's not that they're like, you know, your conscience tells you so many variety of different things. I think he's going to say we're committed to all agreeing on general moral rules. When we reflect on our conscience, we get something like Kant's categorical imperative, and he doesn't give it in his like first formulation of do something that everybody could act on that maxima, but it's more that treat everyone as an end in themselves, that that is what conscience tells you. You can ignore that, you can turn it off, or you can turn it on. And also with the world, we have this, all has this experience of physical objects in a world around us and people in a world around us. And you can, you have the choice to turn that off, to deny it, to be a solipsist, to be an asshole, or turn it on. But there's not like a whole bunch of different directions that you could tweak it. Yeah, I mean, what do we think? This is the way this part three starts with conscience. He starts out, he's upset and crushed and depressed because there's no mind-independent reality and presentations of deceptive images and all that stuff. And then the way out, it begins with conscience and Fichte's reflection on where that comes from and whether that's reliable. And he goes through a few different reflections on that before finally concluding, you know, as we've discussed in the first part, that yes, we can always doubt that and we can even doubt conscience. But in the end, I just have to make a decision. And it could be that I'm just obligated to say that my conscience is the ultimate pipeline to reality and that that's where any engagement with what is true or real in the world begins. I think the obvious skeptical response to that is people often do terrible things when they think they're acting on conscience. Apart from the fact that a psychologist, right, is going to want to tell you how conscience is acquired and constructed out of identifications and, you know, product of early conditioning and culture and things like that. But even apart from that, because Fichte will say the conscience tells us what to do and it's never wrong. It's the one thing that we can note with certainty is that when conscience tells us to do something, that that's what we ought to do, which seems to me to be not the case. He has a real earnestness about the universality of our morality and the correctness of it. I'm looking ahead to where he talks about moral disagreement that he's talking about. It seems a lot of what's bad in the world is because he takes an Augustinian. People just turn away from their consciences. That's not an unusual thing at all. But even the good themselves, this is page 118, 119, even the good themselves are but too often divided by misunderstanding, error, distrust, and secret self-love. And that so much, the more violently, the more earnestly, each strives to propagate that which he recognizes as best and thus dissipates by internal discord, a power which even when united could scarcely hold the balance with evil. So he's talking about in the context there about how no one knowingly does evil, according to him. And even when good people 
have good ends that they're trying to work towards. They can disagree about how to get there and about what's the priority and egos get involved and things like that and undermine our cooperation towards those ends. He's talking about all that in the context of, you know, he'll talk a lot about progress. Our vocation in this world involves these earthly purposes where we try to perfect things and where there's going to be scientific progress and potentially the cultivation and unification of humanity and all that stuff. And then something that sounds like it could be a communist state. Fichte has other writings which are variously anarchist and are very communist sounding. But yeah, just to get back to Mark's point, I thought he seemed to be suggesting that even when we have the same ends, even when we agree about what's right, things can go bad. But was he suggesting there that we can disagree about what's right? I mean, just the way you put it, it makes it sound like we could agree with the sort of ultimate moral principles, but still have a lot of disagreement on how those should be enacted. And I even saw that in here when I was like looking for signs. Is he an imperialist? He definitely feels like a lot of the world is savage and those that are not savage. We used to be savage and we should strive toward enlightenment and spread that throughout the world. But he also says, pick all the best ideas like this is part of communicating with the rest of the world is don't just steamroll over their cultures with your culture, but find what are the best ideas. And those are the ones that should be made into the world culture. Like he for sure thinks there should not ultimately be pluralism. We should all be part of the same big, wonderful culture, but that it would be hubris to think that your culture, even if civilized in obvious ways compared to others, like has all the answers. Well, he uses this amazing phrase. This idea that ultimately there will be a single culture across the whole globe and maybe even one state or just a few states and a time when our, quote, our species is capable of the most unrestricted communication with itself. This is a very globalist vision where I think it's very tempting for us to think of this in terms of technology, right? Because he is talking about the advancement, the way technology is going to improve things and the capacity for an instant global influence, which of course we now have through various media and, and especially through the web and stuff. I think he's thinking that ultimately that will lead to a single homogenous culture. And why wouldn't it? In 10,000 years, why wouldn't there be, <laughs> given that our technological circumstances, a single world culture? It's hard to disagree. I mean, there's two things to me about that. One is that just emphasizing his notion of progress and that progress is in that end. And of course, it makes me think of Hegel. But when we think about one culture, I immediately think about cases where we have one culture, but then you immediately see subcultures within it that have important distinctions. Talk about being American, right? And very quickly, you find out that there are... Yeah, maybe mutation is a variation. Mutation is a thing that we can never expect to go away. So we'll always see variegation. Is that what you're saying? A central part of this unified culture is that freedom of the individual is paramount, then mutate away. <laughs> like, that's fine, because the culture is going to be a basically liberal one, allowing individual natures to flourish. That is at least how I read him. It is not a communist. It is not a everybody put on the same color jumpsuit. Future world government. <laughs> he talks about a government in which evil would not pay. If you have the proper civil constitution, it would be impossible for evil to pay. Every bad deed would basically turn against the doer. And so you'd have a choice between two things within that state. You can either give up freedom altogether or you can use it for the good. And then the good will necessarily flourish under those circumstances. 
from secondary reading on fiction, like there's a lot of contradictory political stuff, you know, proto-communist, anarchist stuff that sounds very liberal, classical liberal. So it's hard to say. I want to go back to the text and just get a little grounding in how he gets to that point. Just the tail end of section one, page 111. We are compelled to believe that we act and that we ought to act in a certain manner. We are compelled to assume a certain sphere for this action. This sphere is the real, actually present world, such as we find it. And on the other hand, the world is absolutely nothing more than and cannot in any way extend itself beyond the sphere. From this necessity of action proceeds the consciousness of the actual world, and not the reverse way. From the consciousness of the actual world, the necessity of action. This not that is the first, the former is derived from the latter. We do not act because we know, but we know because we are called upon to act. The practical reason is the root of all reason. Yep. You know, if you wanted to give like a one line billing for Fichte and, and what Fichte is all about, it's this idea that practical reason comes first and, and everything else, including theoretical reason, can be derived from it. If that sounds like the kind of thing that you want to hear more about, then please go to partiallyexaminelife.com slash support and sign up for membership either on our site or on patreon.com slash partiallyexaminelife, and you'll open yourself up to the world of details of these part two episodes, as well as our more casual freewheeling nightcap recordings. Thanks for listening. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners, also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.